An hour flew by. Welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. We are, we are live from Orlando, wrapping up uh, about six hours of pregame coverage from the site of Oklahoma's bowl game against Florida State, which kicks off at a very unique time, 4.30. Now, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that not the same time that Kansas and Arkansas kicked off yesterday? Was it not in that 4.30 slot? It was, yes. So you're telling me, I hope this thing doesn't go three overtimes tonight. I hope it's taken care of in regulation. But um, that thing ended up lasting. I, I, I was, we were watching this. We went to dinner last night and at this very nice restaurant with the, with the radio crew and literally turned this really nice family restaurant into like a watch party in, in that Kansas-Arkansas game. Now, you guys know me. I'm a simpleton. I'm a cheapskate. I was ready to go home. I was ready to come back, go to bed, watch this in my bedroom and snuggle up. But we couldn't leave, right? It was just, it was so wild the way that thing finished. I still don't know. I still don't know, Josh, if that ball was a fumble that they called on Arkansas. Um, I still can't believe that dude got called for targeting on the play that would have ended the game. And then if if the idea for these two-point conversions in overtime, if it's too, you know, short in the game, then they got to stop giving everyone a timeout. I mean, my gosh, before every single two-point conversion, timeout, and then they get up there and the other, timeout. I mean, literally, they took – the two-point conversion part of overtime that should have been, all right, like two minutes, three minutes, turned into like 20 minutes. Now, bitter me was ready to go to bed, but that was a great finish. Did you happen to stay up for Oregon in the Holiday Bowl last night? The doink heard around the world. <laughs> I still don't know how that thing banked in. I Because it looked like it hit dead center on that goal post. And that thing, boom, bounced right back in. Oregon survived. Drake May looked like the number one pick in the NFL draft in the first half. And then for some reason, North Carolina in the second half was like, ah, we're good. We're good. We're gonna, It's going to pull up the reins here a little bit. So you got full day bowl coverage. But we're focused, of course, on Oklahoma and Florida State. So, guys, great text. I mean, the air cover, my man Brian in Tulsa, you're right. I, I, I read the wrong text to start this show. I really did. And – that texter paid the ultimate price. Well, he's not dead. But I want to know what you're most intrigued by, what you need to see, what you're most looking forward to in the bowl game today. And we've got some great stuff. But we also know, Josh, that Oklahoma is trying to avoid something that hasn't happened in the Sooner Nation since 1998. If OU beats Florida State, it's a winning season, 7-6. and six. Currently. The Sooners are the only Power 5 program that hasn't had a losing season in the 2000s. The talk of college football, the Georgia Bulldogs, they've had a losing season in the 2000s. Everybody's favorite, the Alabama Crimson Tide, they've had a losing season in the 2000s. I'm just looking at the four-team playoffs, Michigan, TCU. Though I think Michigan had a more than just like one of them, and oof, that was ugly in 2020, though what wasn't ugly in 2020? Um, Michigan has had a losing season. Go down the list. All these teams that you want your program to be, all these pieces, they've had a losing season. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Now, 
is it, in the eyes of Josh Helmer, as big of a deal to you as an Ethan Downs brought up, as we've heard many people talk about? Is protecting that streak as important to you as it appears to be to Brent Venables and, and the team? Well, yeah. I mean, it's something you have over everybody else in Power 5 football. So it's it's a legitimate uh, big-time feather in the cap. So absolutely it's important to me. It's probably not more important than just you know winning a game and ending with momentum to hedge you in, to catapult you into the offseason and then into 2023. But sure, for the for the – Social media blast out there and for the bragging rights and the recruiting wars. I don't know how many direct recruitments that like, well, hey, we haven't had a losing season in the 2000s. Only program. I don't know if that's, you know, winning you a direct recruiting war, but it's nice to have. Right. So, yeah, it's I think it's important. Meanwhile, as far as and, and it's important to me too. stupid stat of the day. You ready? Oklahoma hasn't won a bowl game in Florida since 2000, uh, technically 2001, when they beat the Seminoles in the BCS championship game. In fact, um, Florida State, by my calculations, and uh, maybe, you know, Kino or someone like that on Twitter can correct me, but I think Florida State is the only team that Oklahoma has beaten in the state of Florida in the last 22 years. Now, it's not like – this is like that conversation, Josh, that I scoffed at in the World Cup. Like, the U.S. is looking to advance to the knockout stage for the first time in eight years. Yeah, well, they didn't take part in the last World Cup. Right, exactly. So maybe that – because there's not a lot of trips, right? I was trying to do it off the top of my head. But you had the Orange Bowl loss to USC. The Orange Bowl loss to Tim Tebow. You had the loss to Miami in the regular season. You had the loss to Clemson in the, oh, what was it called, in Camping World Bowl. You had the losses in the Orange Bowl to Clemson and Alabama when Kyler uh, just got started a little bit too late in that game. (laughs) Though, I mean, I don't know. That was pretty – you watch the NFL now. A lot of – most of the dudes on on that – on that Alabama defense are all starting in the NFL right now. But, yeah, I, uh, it's just weird, right? A, a place that you don't necessarily come that often. But when you do, when you take on Florida State, you've had success. Historically, Brent Venables is 9-3 and three against Florida State. His Oklahoma teams were 3-0. and oh. His Clemson teams were 6-3. and three. And yes, BV was the defensive coordinator the last time that Oklahoma played Florida State in Tallahassee in 2011. Clemson lost to Florida State in each of the first three seasons, but won six straight against the Seminoles, giving up an average of 17 points per game in those six contests. Again, just a little historical perspective for you, and I don't know how much it carries over to today, but Brent Venables, Ted Roof, Gel Chavis, these dudes have had success against Florida State. This Florida State team is different. 
It's a really good team. They, they seem to be gelling. Took them a while throughout the season. Took them a while since Mike Norvell took over. You know, I, I, I was working with – I'm not trying to name drop, but I was working with Jeff Schwartz the other day, and the former Oregon offensive lineman who's all over Fox Sports, you know, I, we were bringing up – wow, it's kind of wild when you look back at 2020 and kind of how different things are compared to where they were. He goes, man – Tell me anything in 2020 that makes sense now or anything that you look at and it, it, it carried over. The best thing that carried over from it was the expanded practice squads, right? But Mike Norvell came in – I bring that up because Mike Norvell came into Florida State during that 2020 season. And, you know, you, you even look at Dave Aranda who came into Baylor during that 2020 season. Josh, I don't, I don't know how you could have installed an offense or installed a defense over Zoom. And that's literally what they were having to do. So it took a couple of years for Norvell. Maybe it took Jordan Travis staying healthy. But it seems like they're really clicking. So maybe a little bit unfair to look at some of those numbers for Clemson versus Florida State. Because while Oklahoma doesn't have Isaiah Simmons, Clee Farrell, Dexter Lawrence, names like that, you know, Florida State also isn't on some some scrub third-string quarterback or, you know, working through offensive line progression. So – yeah, just a little context to it. But bottom line, this coach, the staff, has had success against him. Now, a couple of other numbers for you. As frustrating as it's been offensively, Josh, OU does rank 18th overall. Or, did I say defense? Offensively, sorry. As frustrating as it's been offensively, <clears throat> the Sooners still rank 18th nationally in total offense. They're averaging almost 500 yards per game. They were a top 15 rushing offense team. So let's pause there and ask, how concerned are you with the rushing attack tonight? And we'll get to Florida State in a second. But knowing that you don't have Eric Gray on the offensive line, you don't have Wanya Morris or Anton Harrison. And, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously Florida State's pretty good against the run. But just in general, without those three names, where's the concern level for the Sooners running game today? Maybe it should be higher. It probably should be, right? Because Eric Gray had uh, just authored one of the best rushing seasons in Oklahoma history. He was right. fabulous. He was one of the best players nationally, uh, one of the best running backs nationally. So not having him is substantial. Not having the two tackles in the run game, you, you would think, hypothetically, w- would matter a lot. I guess I just – I feel that Javante Barnes is kind of due for maybe a big night, so – to, to be determined, I'm probably not as worried about it as maybe I should be. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Now, and again, we're trying to put a little context to all of this as we preview the, the Cheez-It Bowl tonight, OU Florida State. We're talking about the numbers and some of the storylines, and we'll hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line coming up here in just a bit because you guys are on fire today, and I love it. But when we say that we're not overly worried about it, that's not dumping on Eric Gray, right? That's not the open window to, ah, I've never been really impressed with Eric Gray. I'm sorry, not everyone has a hick voice whenever they say it. It's just me. No, nah, I'm not very impressed with Eric Gray, and I don't think that, you know, he did all that. What, what the guy that, that we fought with the other day, oh, you breathe on him and he falls down. It's like, Do we watch the same Eric Gray this year? But you can be excited about what Oklahoma can potentially do in the running game and it's not like some indictment against what Eric Gray was or can do, right? I mean, you can 
You can be pumped about it. Say, I can't wait. You know, Toby was talking up Gavin Sawchuk a lot this morning. That got me fired up. You know, we, Josh, you put the, the depth chart out, and I would say probably the most common question was, where's Gavin Sawchuk? Yep. You know, and that we spent a lot of time on our show Tuesday talking about that. So, you know, if, if it is Sawchuk and seeing his speed and if they can get him around the edge or get him in space, look out, he's going to be a problem. But you can be excited about that without destroying Eric Gray, which for some reason some people like to do. It was a top-10 season in the history of Oklahoma Sooner football, running the football. The guy ahead of him in an individual season for Oklahoma, running the football, won a Heisman Trophy. So, hey, I'm not on that Eric Gray hate train. I just thought maybe a little context to that because I'm like you. I'm not overly worried about Oklahoma and, and its running attack tonight, but that's not anything to say that you know, it's going to be better because Eric Gray is gone, and, right? And, no, it's not. And right. I am still alerted to the possibility that Oklahoma could struggle in that sure. department, minus Eric Gray. But uh, there is legitimate excitement for both Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk that uh, there's explosiveness there. And I think for me, when you ask that question, I kind of look at it and say, I'm less worried about Oklahoma running the ball than I am Oklahoma's right. ability to pass protect. So... <laughs> That's that's sort of what I'm thinking when when I say that, right? Like I'm concerned about how you're going to hold up against Verse. Sure, I think that's maybe the probably is the biggest question offensively. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, here's the other side of this: running the football. Florida State's defense was number one in the country against the pass. Um, sorry, number one in the country against the pass in the ACC and third. Nationally, they held opponents to an average of just 158.9, 158.9 yards per game through the air. And they were first in the ACC and sixth nationally, allowing 5.9 yards per pass. So they were, let me, quick translation, Captain Obvious moment. They were really, really good, Josh, against the pass this year. Really good. Um. But against the run, teams have had some success. So, you know, they've seen really good quarterbacks. They've seen really good receivers. I'm not saying that they've seen elite quarterbacks, but they've seen dudes that are on the level of, you know, Dylan Gabriel. So, yeah, in years past, you might see those types of numbers, and, and you might say, well, I mean – have they seen a guy like our quarterback? And listen, this isn't a knock on DG, but yeah, they've they've seen guys that can sling it like Dylan Gabriel. And they've seen some really good wide receivers in this league. So and they get after the quarterback. So it's gonna be a multifaceted challenge to try to run uh, to throw the football, which is why we've spent so much time this segment in this matchup talking about the running game because that's where it appears that you can make some hay. That's where it appears that you should be able to have some success against Florida State because throwing the football-wise, Josh, from everything that I've read and everything that I've seen and some of the, the stuff that I've watched, they really, really make it challenging to try to throw the football against them. They're really good against it. Running the football, 63rd nationally, giving up almost 150 yards per game, um, a, a whopping four yards per carry, 3.92 you can have some success running the football against them. So going into this thing, if I told you Oklahoma doesn't 
eclipse the century mark rushing, probably it's going to be really hard to win this game. Just looking at the, the statistical numbers, what the tail of the tape says about Florida State coming into this thing. Now, each game's its own entity, and sometimes these numbers don't always don't always play themselves out, right? I mean, right. sometimes it's just that. It's just what the stats say going into the thing. I, I would be curious to know how their defensive pressures stack up versus uh, everybody else nationally. I'm guessing that it's, uh, it's pretty good as it relates to the rest of the ACC just uh, really because of one Mr. Verse and uh, everybody else around him probably kind of uh, gets, to, gets to feed off what uh, the attention that he draws for himself out there. So when you start thinking about the pass defense, probably that's connected. Not to take anything away from the cover guys, I'm sure they're really good too, but uh, probably a lot of that is because uh, they got somebody up front that's a total game wrecker. Yep, that's right. Um, let's get a break. And let's talk Oklahoma's defense versus Florida State's offense. Remember, I, by, by the way, I, I, I didn't realize this that I misspoke. Oklahoma hasn't won a bowl game in Florida since the national championship game. The only teams they've beaten in Florida since 2000 are Florida State. I, if, if I didn't give that clarification, I apologize because I saw a couple of people like, hey, we beat Florida in Tallahassee. I, I thought I said that. Obviously, if there's more than like one text about it, then obviously um, obviously I, I misspoke. No, OU, OU lost when they went to Miami. Remember, that was the Jacoby Harris, Jacory Harris game, ugly football game whenever the Sooners went there. I want to say it was like in 2010, 2009. But um, OU – has struggled in the state of Florida outside of Florida State. So if I misrepresented that stat, then you guys can block me if you would like today. Quick break. What can Oklahoma State? Or what can Oklahoma's defense do to stop Florida State's offense? And where, where is the big challenge when it comes to slowing down Florida State? We'll dive into it next, right here on the Ref. All right, let's. Um, Let's hit the Oklahoma defense versus the Florida State offense. Um, if you, you know, I, I have audio I want to get to. We're going to spend, you know, we, we usually talk to Joey at 11 a.m. on Thursdays. We're going to try to do that, see if uh, Joey Helmer is available to help us preview this game a bit from OUinsider.com. I guess I have to go catch a bus, <laughs> which I was really excited about. When Toby said bus leaves at 1 o'clock, I was like, oh, this is great. Do my show, get my stretching, my workout in, and then be able to just shower and go catch the bus. And then he's like, no, 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 1 Eastern. Oh, well, so means I might have to bolt to skosh early. So we'll do that. And, Josh, we're gonna, I'm going to send some post-game stuff. I'll do a couple of interviews that aren't just for the network, send them back so we'll have some audio tomorrow. Uh, man, I, I really want to bowl in. And it's for very selfish purposes because there is nothing, and I mean nothing, more depressing than a locker room after a bowl loss. It is just, it's gut-wrenching. So here's what the OU defense needs to do to slow down the Florida State offense. And it's not easy. Um, The Seminoles are incredible defensively at minimizing explosive plays and creating them. So 
I'm not overly familiar with the explosive play differential stat. Josh, you're more of my numbers guy on that. But Florida State is number one in the country in that. When I saw that in their game notes, I was like, well, that sounds cool. I'm going to sound smart if I say that. But plus 7.59. And if I'm incorrect, as I understand that, they're banging a lot of big plays and they're not allowing them, right? Yeah, it's it sounds like that, which not not a surprise. I mean, that's what you expect. 13th ranked team, somebody that's won five games uh, in a row, and really two of the three losses they had, they're one-score losses versus, uh, well, at the time, we thought North Carolina State was pretty good, and everybody everybody knows Clemson's pretty good. So it, it's what you'd expect that some of the, the numbers when you start digging look like that. Here's one thing that uh, it kind of blew me away about Florida State. And for a little bit of perspective, their their head coach, if you're not aware, Mike Norvell, stud. All right, this is this is a guy that spent some time at the University of Tulsa. He was a receivers coach under Todd Graham very early in his career. Uh, he's only 41 years old, and he put he he made the 2019 Memphis Tiger team must see football and had built every single year. Uh, they went 11 and one. They won the, the the championship game and had one of the best offenses in college football. They were the highest-ranked group of five teams in the, uh, in the final college football poll. So while at Memphis, he won 38 of his 53 games. He was 24-8 and eight in conference. And in 2019, they finished in the top 20. Go look at Memphis Tiger football year by year. That's not a team that consistently finishes in the top five, top 10, top 15, top 20 in the college football polls. And how has he done it? With explosive offenses. But here's what kind of blew my mind on this, and and help me understand this. Um, and, And this is how, you know, just kind of vamping on what the Oklahoma defense can do or what they need to do. The offensive explosive rate was third in the country. Third in the country. But they're also number two in the country with seven touchdown drives of 90 yards or more and 15 of 80 yards or more. So how do you um, – how do you quantify, how do you stop a team that has been successful, Josh, at doing both? They have success hitting the big play, and maybe they get tough field position, they need to grind it out a little bit. They're able to, to rely on their running game and their talented group of running backs and, and grind out the clock and, and get big big drives. I mean, it's a, it's a very impressive, multifaceted offense. It sounds like what kind of we all want Oklahoma to be. Sure. Right? It's, you look at the, the numbers – the Sooners rank 128th out of 131 FBS teams this season Still in wild. average time of possession. Wild. They've they've which we sort of suspected, maybe not that pronounced for Oklahoma, but you're lightning quick. This is how Jeff Levy. This is what he wants to do: get up and go, 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 hurry, hurry, hurry. You knew that he was going to be sort of of that ilk 
for Oklahoma. They've held a time of possession advantage, OU has, in just one of 12 games. Meanwhile, like you said, Florida State, very, very explosive at times, right? But uh, as you alluded to or shared there, they've had some time-consuming drives. And, oh, by the way, they finished with the 35th average time of possession this season. So eight out of 12 times, two-thirds of the time, they're possessing the football longer than their opponents. So that's kind of more the balance, I think, that Sooner fans would like to see OU strike with being able to to go, 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 lightning quick, hurry, 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 and yet clearly when push comes to shove and they need a long, time-consuming drive, Plank, they've been able to do that at times this season. Florida State has. It's crazy to think that, you know, here's a Florida State team offensively that is among the best at big plays, but they're also a top 40 team in time of possession, 36th in the country. I mean, that's just unbelievable, right? Now, you're not going to get Army, Air Force, Navy-type numbers, but they don't want that. So they're a good mix of both. And they're not a team that you look at and you say, all right, well, how in-depth do you have to go on the depth chart because of opt-outs? They only have a couple. And for the most part, I don't even know if you would truly say that anyone has opted out. They have four guys that are currently in the portal, and they have three guys who are injured. And, you know, Jared Verse, Jimmy James, uh, Jamie Robinson, all announced that they would play in this bowl game. Verse is... I mean, I, I'm not trying to get too dramatic here because Oklahoma has played some some really good rush ins, but he's a guy that will probably be hearing his name called pretty early in the NFL draft. He's 6'4", 251, 700. Wow, that'd be an incredible number of sacks, wouldn't it be? Seven and a half sacks this season. Dude's a stud. And, I, I mean, I'm just – I'm impressed with him. That's going to be one heck of a challenge. Now, he's got a decision to make because he's a retreat sophomore, so he can decide if he wants to come back or not. Uh, and he also transferred from Albany, but they love him. And NFL, stat, uh, NFL scouts love him. So he doesn't opt out. He stays in the bowl game. That's going to be a heck of a challenge for, you know, they move him around a little bit. So Tyler Guyton on one side and, you know, the freshman Jake. It's not – Every time we say Jake, I want to say Jake Taylor for some reason. But it's um, – what's the other – what's the other Jacob tackles? Sexton. Thank you. Jacob Sexton on that other side. So that's going to be a challenge. And then, you know, in, in, in Jimmy Robinson, that's a dude that you've got to account for on every single play. So, you know, they've got some holes to, defensively, but those guys are coming back. Offensively, yeah, no. No, no, nothing. Jordan Travis is playing. Running backs are playing. Wide receivers are playing. It's You're getting them at full strength when they feel like they're playing some of their best football. So, to mesh it all together, no real opt-outs for Florida State. Oklahoma has Gray, Wanye Morris, Anton Harrison, Jalen Redman. You got a boatload of well, – I say that. You know, listen, Kendall Dennis and Joshua Eaton are in the portal. They probably wouldn't have played. But, you know, you got – Guys that are injured that, you know, might might be at least here, but they're not going to be able to play yet, like the Shane Witters of the world. 
but you're not going up against a team like Wisconsin. No, no offense, Oklahoma State fans, and I, I guess you could say OSU, that is just riddled with injuries and guys that are opted out and, and are in the portal right now. This is a Florida State team that when you start looking at some of the bowl teams is about as, as full strength as they can be. Yeah, they're dialed in. They want to win this game. They're, they're trying to uh, end what has been a resurgent season for Mike Norvell and the Seminoles and carry that over as one of the favorites in the ACC and perhaps nationally in 2023. Probably that's going to be the case for them you know, either way that they'll be highly thought of. But obviously to leave the final taste in uh, everybody's mouth this season as a perhaps convincing victory or just any kind of victory over Oklahoma would go a long way for Florida State. Now, conversely for OU, man, I we said right off the top, I expect Oklahoma to be highly competitive in this game, and you kind of think OU's going to win, and I don't think that's crazy at all, talk with Oklahoma. For OU, it's, it's similar, right? I mean, this is a game about optimism for next season. Yeah. Um, oh, here's another good stat from 5808. 5808. Uh, OU is number 81 on defensive third down stops. Florida State is number three on offensive third down conversions. You're right. Um, Here's from the 405. Hell, listening to you guys, we shouldn't even play the friggin' game. You guys are sounding just like the boomer doomers. Be positive. No, I'm just, we're giving you some notes, man. Giving you some notes. Just a few things that kind of stand out whenever we're looking at how you attack it. So, those are, you wonder why you hear some of that negative Nelly mindset. Well, there's statistically why. There's there's the numbers why. I, I, I've said throughout this entire show today, I think Oklahoma's going to come out and play well. I think they're going to win the football game. But everything with Florida State is pretty impressive, man. And we can, we can feel, oh, they've done it in an ACC. Um, <laughs> they've done it against weaker competition, but they've still done it. Right, and and they've got all their guys that have done it. Is that proper English playing in this game? So, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to bring you stats and facts, and that's why many view this as such an uphill climb. Many view it as such a challenge. Oklahoma's offense has been really good running the football this year. The best running back has opted out. Their two tackles have opted out. But we're excited about Javante Barnes, and we're pumped to see what these, uh, what Jacob Sexton and what Tyler Guyton, and maybe Jake Taylor, and maybe some of these younger guys can do on the offensive line because that's a Florida State kind of Achilles heel. They've struggled stopping the run. Oklahoma has thrown the ball really well at times this season. That's where Florida State's been damn good, stopping the pass. Florida State's offense one of the top offenses in explosive plays this year. Right? Why, why did I just say number three in the country? But in that same vein, they're also a top 40 team in time of possession, and they've got that good balance. Oklahoma going up, they've got to tackle well. They've got to, they've got to make plays in space. So it's, it's numbers. It's numbers. Not trying to tell you, how dare you? How, how dare you? No, I'm just – just the facts, gentlemen. Just the facts. So, with that and said, how do you attack? How do you get after it? Let's dive into it. Air Comfort Solutions, text line, and you next. Um, boy, we are hustling through the plank show. We're on the road getting ready for OU Florida State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Pre-game coverage continues right here on the Home of Senior Fans. Yeah, I, I, again, 
just throwing numbers out there. We spent 30 minutes. I I did some copious digging through game notes for our pregame show last night. And you know, it's it's one of those things as we welcome you into the Plank Show. We are on the road in Orlando today in anticipation of Oklahoma and Florida State in the Cheez It Bowl this afternoon at 4.30. Sooner Radio Network on the air with a 2.30 Central Time pregame show. But um, I, I would encourage everyone to check out our pregame coverage right here on The Ref, which I, in my mind, we're in the middle of right now. But in the, um, in the graphic maker's mind, not. You can join Travis and Tyler. They'll start the pregame coverage at 2 p.m. They'll take you right up to game time at 4.30. Travis is going to be at the Standard. I've never been to the Standard, Josh. I have, have you been to the Standard before? I have not, but it uh, sounds pretty cool. Does to me. Does to me. So that's where Travis is going to be. Tyler is going to be out in Chickasha at Legends. So we got you covered 2 to 4.30 with pregame coverage. And then postgame for two hours immediately after the final whistle. Um, we'll send over some postgame audio. So the guys will have it too, including Brent Venables, postgame meeting with the media. Um, it's 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 going to be a fun day. I'm excited for it, and we've got you We've got you covered. All right, let's roll through some of these texts, right? Um, FSU's strength of schedule versus OU's? Fair question, right? Because I think, you know, you lay out all these numbers and you lay out all these stats and some people get mad. It's like, why even play the game? Understand, I get it. Someone says, well, who have they played? Oklahoma, this is according to team rankings, um, strength of schedule ranking. Oklahoma is currently at 13th in the country, while Florida State is at 26th. So a difference, not a massive difference. It's not like Oklahoma has played a, a, a schedule that was top five and Florida State's played one that is like top 80. So they played some good teams. Um, here's one for the 405. I love how listeners call you all sunshine bumper, uh, pumpers. When talking positive, but if you don't have any concerns about anything, you're a boomer doomer. You can't win. Oklahoma by 10. Oh, it's fine. I get it. Uh, True checked in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Oklahoma has owned Florida State through the years. Six and one against FSU. A pain in their backside. Six in a row. Six in a row. Peyton. I won't lie. Hearing the stats and everything doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. <laughs> but you know what? The beautiful thing is, it's just that. It's just the uh, statistical tale of the tape of these two teams. Sure. And it hey. you know, ultimately doesn't matter tonight. Well, yeah, because it tells us what these two teams are. But ultimately, <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? No, I mean, they're going to go play matter. and figure it out. Um, this is fair. What really good team has Florida State beaten during their winning streak? Might be a little bit overvalued. I mean, you can say the same thing about OU. What what team do you look at that Oklahoma has beaten that is as impressive as Florida State beating LSU? And I know, I watched that game. We all know the circumstances surrounding it, and that was in the beginning of the season, and that seems like it was two years ago. But I completely and totally – I'm trying to be kind here, Josh – I'm a big YouTube guy. Shocking. I spend way too much time watching stupid stuff on Instagram Reels and YouTube. And you just hit it on the head, Josh. Tale of the tape. 
How many times have you watched some video of, dude, watch this knockout, and you see this dude, looks like Brock Lesnar, man. He's rocked up, beefed up, got a little sweat dripping, bouncing around in the sidelines or in, in the corner. Just He looks like he's ready to knock a dude out. Tail of the tape would say that he's going to destroy that dude across the ring from him that looks like me. And what happens? Game plan changes when you get punched in the face. Big rocked up dude goes down, right? Tail of the tape, stats are just a facet for, you know, how you attack a team and obviously what we know about them. Every every conceivable stat in this is Florida State's way. And if you want to say, hey, well, what impressive win have they had during this streak? Fair. Florida was down. Hadn't been playing well when they beat them, and it's a fair question. But also in that, what would you, what would you say about Oklahoma's win? I mean, are we flexing our muscles over Oklahoma State? No, that game should have been uglier than it was. Um, Kansas, all right, maybe. Any the three non-conference games now? Kent State, Nebraska, maybe, but. In, in Florida State, it's just their their streak has happened later in the season, and it's you're right. I mean, maybe the Florida win, but Miami's not done. Georgia Tech had fired their coach. Syracuse was was bad by that point. In fact, we'll see Syracuse coming up here in just a bit. But yeah, maybe Florida, and it took a Herculean effort to beat them. So I I understand what you're saying, but I think people say the same thing about Oklahoma. But that's just me. Um, and, I'm, and I'm trying not to be overly homeristic, but then in the same vein, uh, overly hateristic. Because, yeah, I think Florida State is absolutely overvalued. I don't think they're the 13th best team in the country. But they, they won the games. Good one here from Brian in Tulsa before we grab a break. Great to hear from my man Brian with a Y in Tulsa. Honestly, not knowing what we have in that running back room is exciting. When Adrian got hurt, we didn't know how good Alan Patrick would be either, and he was legit. Also, DeMarco had some injuries too, and we had a lockdown short yardage back in Chris Brown. We have always had gems in that running back room. It's going to be awesome to see. Yeah, and guess who's the guy that's out there choosing those gems in this running back room? Well, one of the best Sooners of all time in DeMarco Murray. Oh, and, and one quick one from the 918. Eric Gray impressed me running the ball this year, but opting out, was a he said he said was a loser. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna clean that up a little bit. But opting out was a bummer at season's end. What a team player he was. You know, I have this take about dudes that might be third day picks. I think you can help your draft status out a lot more by having a big bowl game than not. But it's also a running back. You know I. Let me give you a little intel that I've heard since I got here about Marvin Mims. Speaking of guys who would be a third-day pick but are still taking part in this process. And Dylan Gabriel, too, to put a wrap on hour two. Hopefully, Joey Helmer around the corner. We're live from Orlando. More of your texts on the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Hey, let me give you just a feel that I've got. You know, you had the uh, Tyler Shuck moment last night for Texas Tech where he gave the I'm back during the post-game press conference. I'm sorry, the post-game celebration. Um, which I, I think is kind of weird because for some people, like, yeah, uh, 
is, is he going to be the starter next year? <laughs> it's like he had a great finish to his season, but I don't necessarily know if it's a slam dunk that he's the guy for Tech next season. They so played, that was cool. Uh, they played really well. That, they that did. was nice. They got they the did. Big 12 on the board. We're, we're not uh, getting goose-egged. I will say, I appreciated Lane Kiffin, uh, Lane Kiffin approaching that game like I approach a Madden game. Fourth and 15, let's go for it. Throw it, let's go. Run an option. I don't think we're getting that moment tonight. And, again, if it's Dylan Gabriel or Marvin Mims, I, I, I don't think we're getting it. But I will say two things I feel strongly about. Number one, Dylan Gabriel will be back in a Sooner uniform in 23. I feel very confident saying that at 1057. Now, again, things can change. You I'm, I'm, I'm not giving – this is not my crystal ball projection. This is just the plank confidence meter. How's that? It's very high. Upon making this trip, my confidence meter has dropped a little bit about Marvin Mims coming back. I think that – I think he's had some time to really evaluate, you know, what – and this isn't a knock on Oklahoma or this isn't a knock on the coaching staff, but is he really going to raise his stock? from the intel that he got back from pro scouts, you know, while it might not have been, hey, buddy, you better buy your suit. You're going in the first round. Were there things on there that kind of led him to believe that another year could improve that? I don't think so. So, you know, it's kind of like the Kennedy Brooks thing. I was shocked to you know what that he came back because Kennedy Brooks had to be a more athletic guy. You got to run fast. You got to get that breakaway speed. And that's not just something that magically – that's kind of a God thing. Um, but I would say on, like, the, the plank confidence scale, being, being here and just, you know, hearing the vibes, feeling the vibes, DG, Dylan Gabriel back, Marvin Mims, probably looking at him maybe taking a shot at the NFL. It's just my vibe. Joey Helmer next right here on The Ref.